Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Kai, and welcome to Legends of Matt, your weekly podcast about mythology, urban legends, and folklore. It's mythology time, my guys. Today, I'm going to show some love to Egyptian mythology. I feel like it's not really explored compared to the other top mythologies, and that is understandable. With Greek mythology being quite enjoyable with its multitude of stories and some good movies, then we have Marvel making some people interested in Norse mythology. I know that when movies try to incorporate an Egyptian theme, they mostly focus on the pharaohs, and sometimes allude to the gods and aspects of the mythology. And by doing that, I think the audience is missing out on learning about some pretty cool stuff. Egyptian mythology has a lot of awesome systems and tales about the gods, and I wanted to discuss what I found so interesting about them. So with the introduction out of the way, let's dive into the good stuff. First, let's talk about how the soul is presented in Egyptian mythology. You know, that thing inside us that nobody understands and everybody has, unless you're Squidward or a businessman. In this mythology, it is believed that your soul is made up of nine aspects, and these nine aspects are all connected to the reason why the dead were mummified. It was believed that even after death, your body was still important in the afterlife and was used as a house for your soul to inhabit. If your body was destroyed, you could kiss your soul goodbye. So basically, this is my interpretation of the nine aspects. The first aspect of the soul is the cot, and was viewed as your physical body. It was the home base for the other aspects of the soul that remained on earth, and a place where offerings could be left to nourish the soul. More on that later. The second aspect of the soul was the ba, and was considered your personality, because it had all the aspects of what made you, you. It was described as a bird with a human head and would travel to places you loved while still alive and would even enter the spiritual world and commune with the gods. It's also said that the Ba must return to the body each night in order for the Ka to obtain sustenance. Now you must be asking yourself, what's the Ka? Well, it's the third aspect of the soul and is viewed as the energy source of the soul. Remember how I said that the body would be left with offerings to nourish the soul? That was what the Ka was responsible for. It absorbs the nutrients from the offerings left. The fourth aspect of your soul was your shadow and was called the shuet. I think this is understandable because it's an aspect of your life that is forever present, so it makes sense to give it such significance. It's said that because the shadow has been with you for so long, it holds some aspects of what you're like, so it's like a backup of your soul. Some say it has connections to death. Others say it is a protector or guide. It's also worth mentioning that even the gods knew the importance of the shuet and would hide theirs. Moving on to the fifth aspect of the soul, we have the ib, which was essentially the heart and holds a great amount of importance. It held the recollection of your deeds, and in the afterlife, it was weighed against the feather of truth. If your heart weighed less than the feather, you were permitted to paradise, but if it was heavier, it was eaten by Amut, a lion-hippo-crocodile hybrid creature. Nimro says that the aspect is the rent, your secret name, given to you by the gods. It's secret because letting someone know your hidden name is like giving them your social security number, passwords, and credit card info. It's that important because your secret name ties to your soul's existence. And if another person knows it, they now have power over you and even can destroy you. Number seven is the combination of the Ba and the Ka, and it's called the Ak. This is best described as your spirit. It resides in the heavens with the gods and can come back to earth to visit loved ones or enemies who have wronged them in their dreams. But in order to have one, the right burial procedures must be done. The eighth aspect is a part of the Ark and is called the Sahu. They're basically the same thing except the Sahu appears as a spirit in front of a person rather than in their dreams. And finally, number nine is the Sechem, which was a kind of energy that resided in the soul. It was said that it would control a person's surroundings and outcomes. 
Most of the time, it's mainly five aspects of the soul which are mentioned, which would be the Ba, Ka, Ib, Ren, and Shuit. But I wanted to add the other four as well because I found them quite interesting. So as you can see, the Egyptians had some pretty complex ideas on how the soul operated. And that's only one part of the whole mythology. There's also some really good stories in there as well. Like, for example, the slaying of men. The following tale comes from the book Myth and Legends of Ancient Egypt by Louis Spence. So it goes like this. Long ago, there dwelt on earth Ra, the sun god, the creator of men and things and ruler over the gods. For a time, men gave to him the reverence due to his exalted position. But at length, he began to grow old and they mocked him, saying, Behold, his bones are like silver, his limbs are like gold, his hair is like unto the real lapis lazuli. Now Ra was very wroth when he heard their blasphemy, so he called together his followers, the gods and goddesses of his train, Shu, Tefnut, Geb, and Nut, and Hathor, the eye of Ra. The gods assembled secretly so that the race of mankind might know nothing of their meeting, and when they were all gathered about the throne of Ra, he said to Nun, the oldest of the gods, O Nun, thou firstborn of the gods, whose son I am, I pray thee give thy counsel. The men whom I have created have conceived evil against me. Even those men who have issued forth from mine eye, they have murmured in their hearts, Behold, the king has become old. His bones are like silver, his limbs like gold, his hair like unto real lapis lazuli. Tell me, what shall be done unto them? For this I have sought thy counsel. I will not destroy them till thou hast spoken. Then answered Nun, O thou great God, who art greater than he who made thee, thou son who art mightier than his father, do thou but turn thy eye upon them who blaspheme thee, and they shall perish from off the earth. Ra turned his eye upon the blasphemers, according to the counsel of Nun. But the men fled from the eye of Ra, and hid them in deserts and rocky places. Then did all the gods and goddesses give counsel to Ra, that he should send his eye down among men to smite them sorely. And the eye of Ra ascended in the form of the goddess Hathor, and smote the men in the desert and slew them. Then Hathor returned to the court of Ra, and when the king had given her welcome, she said, I have been mighty among mankind. It is well pleasing to my heart. All night, Sekhmet waited in the blood of those who had been slain, and on the morrow, Ra feared that Hathor would slay the remnant of the human race. Wherefore, he said unto his attendants, Fetch to me swift messengers who can outstrip the wind. When the messengers appeared before the majesty of Ra, he bade them to bring a great number of mandrakes from Elephantine. These Ra gave the segment, bidding her to pound them. And when this was done, he mixed the mandrakes with some of the blood of those whom Hathor had slain. Meanwhile, servant maids were busy preparing beer from barley, and into this Ra poured the mixture. Thus were 7,000 jars of beer made. In the morning, Ra bade his attendants to carry the beer to the place where Hathor would seek to slay the remnant of mankind and there pour it out. For the sun god said within himself, I will deliver mankind out of her arms. Then it came to pass that at dawn, Hathor reached the place where the beer lay, flooding the fields four spans deep. She was pleased with her beautiful reflection, which smiled at her from the floods. And so deeply did she drink of the beer that she became drunken and was no more able to destroy men. Also note during the story, how the name changes between Hathor and Sekhmet. In some variations, it's said that Ra plucked Hathor from his brow and sent her to earth, and then she turned in Sekhmet, 
but it all depends on the variations and sometimes they get really murky. But anyway, moving on. That's not the only fascinating story from Egyptian mythology. I'm going to tell you guys one more tale before I end this episode, and it's about the kids of Newt. So like any mythology, you have a head honcho in charge, and at the time of this tale in Egyptian mythology, it was the sun god Ra. Ra then created other gods, and then those gods created other gods, and he was eventually known as the pharaoh. But the ones who are important in that group are the sky goddess Nuth and the earth god Geb, who are the last gods. Ra then learned in a premonition that some of his descendants would eventually take his throne. So he put a curse on Nuth so that she is unable to have children on any day of the year. Distressed by this, she goes to Toth, the god of wisdom seeking help. It's said that Toth was in love with her, so he decided to help her out. He went to the moon god Khonsu and played a game with him in order to win time. Toth won the game and used the time to add five days to the calendar, and Nut did not waste any of that time. During those days, she had four children, Osiris, Isis, Set, and Nephthys. Because they were born, Ra's premonition came true. Osiris became the new pharaoh and taught men how to be civilized. He ruled over the people with his sister Isis as his queen, and everyone loved him. Everyone except Set. Set wasn't a big fan of Osiris and wanted to take the throne from him, so he concocted a scheme. He invited his brother to a great banquet and brought out a beautiful coffin. He said that whoever can fit in it can have it. Everyone took up Set's challenge, but could not fit in the coffin until it was Osiris' turn. Unbeknownst to him, the coffin was specifically designed for him. Set sealed the coffin and threw it into the Nile. With his brother gone, he took the throne, and he would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for his meddling sister Isis. She went searching for his coffin and eventually found it. When Set found out that the coffin had been found, he broke apart Osiris' body into many pieces. And Isis didn't give up and then found all the pieces. Get you a girl like Isis. Along the lines of a discovery of the body, it said she was held by Anubis to resurrect him and then even had a kid with him named Horus. And then Osiris became the lord of the Egyptians' version of the underworld. When Horus entered adulthood, he went to face Set in order to take back the throne that was rightfully his. Now here's where there's different versions of the battles between the two. One version has Horus cutting off his mother's head and it being replaced with a cow's head because she took pity on Set when she was supposed to attack him during a duel. And it also involves Set trying to assault his nephew in order to make him unfit for the throne. And Horus flips on him by um, putting his godly seed on some food and tricking Set into eating it. It's really bizarre, so I'm going to talk about the cleaner version. Because that other version, we don't do that here. So, the clean version involves the two settling things with a boat race. They were to use boats of stone and the winner would get the throne. The race begins and Set's boat immediately sinks. But Horus was clever and made his boat out of lighter material and designed it in the way that resembled stone. Does that count as cheating? I have no idea, but in the end, he was the one sitting on the throne. Now that you've got a basic idea of how awesome Egyptian mythology is, let's get into some closing thoughts. Egyptian mythology is quite intriguing. I know it's somewhat considered as one of the big three alongside Greek and Norse mythology, but I feel like it's only looked at with a surface level approach. They've got some pretty sweet stuff going on for them. But hey, I might be wrong, and Egyptian mythology is popping. But what do I know? Anyway, that's it for this episode of The Legends of Man. If you enjoyed the podcast, share it around. 
send it to your friends, your siblings, your mom, dad, even your grandma, so that they can grow. Do you have a favorite story from Egyptian mythology? Tell me on Twitter at The Legends of Man. I hope you guys have a wonderful day, and thanks for listening. See ya.